Hey. Is this thing on? Oh, it is? Word, word. You are now listening to Lecture Hall, brought to you by studentunionsports.com. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Sorry I'm late. It's just like this new schedule is totally confusing. Infiltrate the dealers, find the supply. We get to be brothers? Infiltrate the dealers, find the supply. I'm a peacock! You gotta let me fly! Hey, Greg, why don't you go piss your pants again? That was like eight years ago, asshole. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Oh, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lecture Hall. Brought to you by Student Union Sports. It's your boys, Big Hoppa. It's your boy, Shooter. Sillings, Shooter. Maybe with the syllabus. What's up, guys? Classes in session. This week's syllabus jam-packed. Lots of headlines that we don't want to give a deep dive into. Starting off, number one. The sport that we do not care about, the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, Kyle Kuzma, Frank Alex Vogel, Caruso. Alex Caruso, their NBA world champions. What is that, number 17 for the Lakers? Something like that. One behind Tied the, with the Celtics. Celtics. Tied no, with the Celtics. Tied, Tied yeah. with the Celtics. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Four for Bron. Yeah, four for LeBron. MJ's the GOAT. Um, we have... <laughs> The University of Florida suspending all football activities because of 19 positive COVID tests. 19. (laughs) University of Florida, a potential playoff team. I'm pretty sure they're ranked third right now. They were ranked third. There are rumors floating that maybe have been started by me that they are canceling their season uh, because they're too demoralized to continue playing on after losing to Kellen Mond and Texas A&M. Just a thought. You might want to think that one through. Um, NHL free agency started. The top three free agents have already signed elsewhere. Yes, the inevitable. Tory Krug, Dan Sweeney, you're a stooge. You Paul let your gone. homegrown guy leave and sign with the St. Louis, Louis Blues of all Yeah, the St. Louis ones. Of all teams, St. Louis. And they only offered him one more year for the same amount of money. Like, are you kidding me? And then uh, Alex Petrangelo signed with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And Taylor Hall signed a one-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres, which also just doesn't make any sense to me. He said he wanted to go to a contender. He could have went anywhere. And of all teams, he chose Buffalo. Buffalo. It doesn't make any sense. A lot of sports out there right now. Despite the Bills losing lots going on. Oh, yeah, we'll get into that one later. Don't you worry. And Woo-hoo! tonight, though, is the season premiere of The Bachelorette, the long-awaited return of The Bachelor series. I, I was almost late to our interview with tonight's guest, Danny Vietti, because I was watching the two-hour premiere of The Bachelorette. But we will get into Danny in a second. Before we get there, hop up. Hit me with that ad read. Folks, I can't stress to you enough the importance of smelling good. Okay. It's COVID season, obviously still. However, that is no no reason for you to smell terrible. All right, guys. 
with the world somewhat opening back up, we're at like 25% capacity in some places. Depending on where you are in the world, it's time to get back out there, start smelling good, shave back up, and start looking like a man again. Okay? A couple ways you can do that. Washbuckler soap bar, number one. Number two, the sharp-dressed main shave gel. And number three, the not one, not two, but three and one body hair and beard wash, folks. I mean, <laughs> that's three. That's three and one, not one, not two, like I said, but three. All right, three and one. That's one of the many, many products you can get at gibbsgrooming.com, G-I-B-S-G-R-O-O-M-I-N-G.com, gibbsgrooming.com, where you can use the code HALL15, H-A-L-L-1-5, Hall 15 to get 15% off your order. And you're like, you're like Big Hoppa. All you talk about is the washbuckler soap bar, the three in one, and and the and the other stuff, like and the like, you know, some like the biofuel conditioner. That's like all you ever talk about. You know what, folks? They have beard oils, they have pomades, they have beard spacklers. I implore you, they have the sickest swag. I got to start wearing the bandana again, folks. You need to go to gibbsgrooming.com. You need to get on the Gibbs train using the code HALL15, H-A-L-L-1-5, HALL15, gibbsgrooming.com. Go get yourself something nice. Get out of the quarantine feel. We're 25% open. Start feeling like men again. And now for Danny Vietti. And here we are back with the first two, three, four, five. There's two of them on the screen. Time guest, our boy Danny Vietti from CVS Sports. Danny, resident San Diego Padres fan, and like I said, member of the media. Welcome back on. We've missed you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I just kicked other Danny off, apparently. He didn't want to be here. So now we're single Danny on screen. I don't know what's going on with Zoom. It's kicking me off, pulling me back on. Uh, we'll see what happens. In and out, snip, snap, snip, snap, as the uh, as the reference to the office is in Michael Scott. Speaking of snip, snap, snip, snap, going back to back, the playoffs uh, this year have been just big moment after big moment. Um, as we have uh, the stage set here, the Braves are up eight to six on the Doyers. Here, bottom nine, the Doyers are coming back, and the Rays and Astros are still in the early part of the, their game. Astros up one and out, nothing on Altuve Homer. How do you feel about these LCS matchups? Do you like these, Danny? I don't think too many people had these matchups, and I know I didn't. Um, the Braves have really impressed me. Let me start with Atlanta because I knew they had a lot of talent in their bullpen. I did not realize how dominant these arms are. I mean, from both sides, really. I mean, you're talking about Will Smith, Mark Melanson. After that, I really didn't know about their bullpen. I knew about Darren O'Day because – Seems like he's been here forever. But Minter, um, gosh, I'm watching the game, and all their names are, are drawn blanks for me already. But they have so many arms in their bullpen uh, that are – I mean, there's not a guy in their bullpen that it seems like throws below 95, 96 miles per hour on that fastball. And they're going from the right and left sides too. So I think what's really impressed me and jumped off the page has been Atlanta's bullpen because their starting staff going into it had a huge question mark on it because they've endured so many injuries – their starting rotation that was on opening day, they have one remaining player from that starting rotation. That's Max yeah. Freed. Um, so I think their bullpen has really stepped up. That's really been the highlight for me, uh, been their bullpen. And their offense, obviously, it was the second best in the league behind only the Dodgers. And they trailed the Dodgers by only one run in total runs. So 
Um, it's a good matchup. We're seeing the Dodgers right now make a comeback. And I don't want to put this out there too quickly because I might jinx it the opposite way. But game two, Atlanta was winning eight to three. I just put this on my Twitter too. Atlanta was leading eight to three, that whole 28 to three myth with the score. If the Dodgers come back in this game, I'm just, I'll leave it there. Hey. You can you can go find Danny at Danny Vietti, just like it appears, uh, just like you think it's spelled. Game two, eight to three, right there, twenty eight to three. I mean, that's a terrifying thought, and they've put up three runs already. Um, I know I it's in, it's so intriguing to see this Braves team with like the lack of arms, like you mentioned from their starting rotation, especially as we've gone deeper um, and been playing back to back days. I think I think that's a great point, just like how insane to be starting pitching and to just be dominating dominate 22 school was a two, 22 scoreless run uh scoreless innings from against the reds in in two games like i don't know how i don't know how they've gotten it done but freed obviously being the one starter like you mentioned there is just just i mean he's on another level and basically since he came since he got his first start last year and really, and this is no disrespect to Ian Anderson, too. I just don't think anybody expected a rookie like that. I know he's a top prospect, but he's 22 years old. I don't think anybody expected this. And they're throwing him out there for four, five, six innings every time, it seems like. And he's been dominant. I mean, the Braves have given up, I think it's five runs. They've played five games this postseason. Or this would be their sixth game. Coming into this game, I should say, they had given up five runs in five games. They've given up six here tonight. Um, but that's that's going to get it done. That's a hell of a job by the entire staff. And it's a combined effort. It's not just the starting staff. It's that bullpen. Mark Lanson's been a rock in the back of that bullpen for him. Really cool to see him have success too, because when they made that trade to acquire him from San Francisco, he didn't make too many friends out in San Francisco. They expect, they gave him a whole lot of money. They were expecting him to be their closer for the next four or five years. It didn't work out. He had some injury issues. Now you throw him over to Atlanta, and he's been rock solid for them ever since. So a good move by Alex Anthopoulos and a good move for San Francisco to get rid of that contract as well. Now I'm seeing on my screen here, I'm not watching it, but I have it up on my phone. It says Bellinger in play runs with a runner on first. Does that mean this game's tied up? It is eight to seven right now with two outs, runner on third base. Oh, baby, uh, a triple. Yep, a triple. So we are 90 feet away from tying this puppy up. And by we, I mean the Dodgers, of course. Yeah, of course you you know your your uh, your uh, allegiances lie with San Diego. You even put out uh, you even put out like a video, like a farewell video. I was worried, like I was like, is Danny retiring? Are we never gonna see him on lecture hall again? <laughs> no, I had I had to send out a thank you to those guys. I mean, really, I really don't want to be a Padres member. That's not where I want to be. That's not a trail I want to go down. But that being said, they welcomed me with open arms all year long, and it, I thought it was my due diligence to do um, to just extend a thank you to them because I mean really my job is to try and um, share baseball content with everyone from across the entire league but really it's been the Padres hands that have again welcomed me with open arms and they've really kind of piggybacked um, off of me and I've piggybacked off them and so um, it was really just a thank you to those guys just because I had multiple people you know just extend out to me and say hey Whenever you want to catch, you know, get a beer sometime. Whenever you want to catch a game sometime, just let me know. Um, you know, there's some of the best fans down there. I mean, San Diego is one of the best cities in the world. If you haven't visited it, I highly recommend it. 
Uh, I love it. So I'm going to put you on the spot here with game two of the NLCS in limbo and the Rays having a 2-0 lead uh, in the ALCS uh, and the Astros having a one-run lead in the middle of the game here. Who who do you think ends up winning these series and is going to be our World Series matchup? And if you so choose, you can even give me a World Series winner. Give me well, something me start, to promote. Sure. Let me start with Los Angeles here. So Los Angeles just ended up losing just now. They lost 8-7. to seven, But it's gone final. I really thought something clicked for the Dodgers, and I didn't want to – I didn't want to um, be too hyperbole here or make any kind of hyperbole off of one home run. But when Corey Seager hit that three-run shot, you could almost feel the weight of off come off the shoulders of a lot of these Dodgers players because they were shut down by Atlanta's pitching yesterday. They scored one run. And then through much of this game, they were shut down by a rookie and Ian Anderson. And this is the Dodgers, and they hold themselves to high expectations of the highest-scoring offense in the league. They have all these expectations going into the season. It's World Series or bust for this team. And all of a sudden, they went into this game, and this was seven innings through, and I think Seager hit his home run in the seventh, I believe. Yep. Um, and you give him a three-run shot, and all of a sudden, they ended up almost coming back. They ended up losing eight to seven. But that, to me, I think if you're the Dodgers, you're feeling a lot better about yourself now. You lost eight to seven. You're down 2-0 in the series. But what is Los Angeles known for? The, the offense. plethora of starting, yes, and the plethora of starting pitching that they oh, let's do. <laughs> they haven't had Clayton Kershaw pitch. They still have Dustin May that they've used out of the bullpen. They have Julio Urias going uh, supposedly tomorrow, as long as Clayton Kershaw doesn't want to step uh, step in there. Um, so if I'm Los Angeles, I like. I don't want to say I like where I'm at because you never want to be down two zero, but you're feeling a lot better about yourself going into this next game into Game Three. I, a lot better than what they felt maybe three or four innings ago. Switching gears over to Tampa Bay and Houston, I feel really bad for Houston because I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would, it's a very I odd think I would ever say that um, coming into the season. But here I am saying I actually feel bad for Houston. Ooh, what, a, what a weird year 2020 is. Um, no, they've had twice as many hits as Tampa Bay and have struck out twice as many uh, times uh, fewer than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has struck out twice as many times as Houston, yet Tampa Bay is up 2-0 in a series. They're hitting the ball hard. Alex Bregman has been really unlucky with the bat. He had four at-bats, or excuse me, it might have been five, four or five at-bats last night. Every single one of his at-bats resulted in an out. Every single one of those at-bats was a 98 miles per hour exit velocity or higher. Jesus. But what are you going to do? I mean, and they asked Dusty Baker about it earlier before this game. He said, we're not looking for exit velocity. We're looking for exit hits, I think is how he put it. So <laughs> um, it, it's tough. And, and unfortunately, they talked about it on a broadcast. And a lot of these analytics and, and the batting average on balls and plays, normally it works itself out over 162 games. It goes back to the average. But if you're talking about a seven-game series, the ball is just not falling. Unfortunately, there's, there might not be enough time for these balls to fall in and for it to revert back to that average. So we'll see. I mean, you got to like where Tampa Bay's at if you're a Tampa Bay fan, though. Yeah, I mean, I, say I actually do kind of feel bad for Houston because rightfully they have the entire baseball community against them. They deserve that. But at the same time, they went into this year with everyone hating them. They played the whole season. I mean, they would be getting heckled by – pumped in fans they're getting hit by joe kelly and whoever else 
and they get to the playoffs, span a playoff, and they get to the ALCS, and they're obviously not cheating this year. Just look at their batting averages. It's like they're the same team. They're just as good as they were, and just like everyone still hates them. I don't see – there's no reason for me to want to hate the Astros now because they've proved that they can do it without the trash cans. And, too, I think that's a really good point, too. A lot of – I won't say a lot. There's a select few of baseball fans that question the talent that the Houston Astros had because of the cheating scandal. I never did, personally. They oh, had, what an insane – like, I know, sorry not to cut you off, but, like, no. I just have thought that's such a crazy argument the whole time as well. Exactly. And when I looked at their numbers, their home splits, their home road splits, Jose Altuve – Yuli Gurriel, George Springer, Alex Bregman, mm-hmm. um, and Carlos Correa. All five of those guys had a higher batting average and a higher at-bat per home run on the road than they on did. The mm-hmm. So to question the talent, they have – I don't think personally that's deserved. Um, you can question whatever else. You can question their ethics, their morals, whatever you want to question. But they're putting it out on the field. And until you strike these guys out and knock them out, Carlos Gray is just going to keep talking. And there's really nothing that all these, you know, the haters can say until somebody stops the Astros. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, like to your point, um, you have Carlos Correa was a 1-1 pick, um, first overall first round. Bregman was a 1-2. Springer was the first round uh, 11th pick. And then you have Jose Altuve, who is arguably one of the greatest – not comeback stories. Um, underdog stories. Underdog, thank you. Underdog stories um, as far as height, skill, being passed up, and becoming ultimately an MVP. Like You can make the case he's the greatest second baseman of all time. He's, he's maybe not quite there, and I hate to say that a day after the Joe great Morgan passed. But you look at his numbers, you compare it to the historical um, yeah. second basemen in history – they're up there already, and he's still got plenty of life to his legs. Yeah, it's it's truly impressive, especially like the bat to ball skills that he's shown. Um, and and that while well, that's been basically his mo, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I totally agree with you there. It's just the talent thing always peeved me because because of those facts that you pointed out. Um, talking a little bit about though, um, coming into this game is the scheduling. Um, that I've kind of had a tiff with. Um, every other, everything else has started on a Monday, or I think the wild card round started on Tuesday, but um, the DS round, start, everything started on Monday. We have the Rays finish out the Yankees in five. Great ball game. Um, that ends on Friday night. And then instead of starting on Monday, they start on Sunday. I mean, I don't know how much insight you have to that or if that was the plan the whole time, but I was just like, why not give these guys an extra day of rest? Like, you're playing these games back to back to back. It's not the traditional, like, day off in between. And then sometimes, I don't know if it's if it used to be two days in between as well for a travel day, but um, I think that was, like, early 2000s, back in the day day, but um, – how do you how do you feel about the scheduling with the game every day and then not allowing the Rays to to get a really much of a breather? Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. Uh, from my understanding, they're trying to wrap up the season. I don't want to say as quickly as possible, but they kind of are with, with everything that's going on around the world with coronavirus. 
I think they're they've considered themselves lucky to get 60 games in and the playoff. They're in a bubble and now they're allowing fans in too. I really think that the owners and Major League Baseball as a whole, they're trying to get this thing done. It can say they had a season. Um, at the same time, to your point, I don't like the whole reason we're in this mess is for health because of coronavirus. I don't like guys playing so many games. I didn't like the Cardinals playing that many games in so few in so few days. The Miami Marlins, too, they played, I think it was 57 games in 55 days. I don't personally love that. I don't have a solution necessarily, but I don't like sticking players out there for that many games and playing that many doubleheaders because the whole reason we're in that mess is for health. And now we're sticking guys out there and we're throwing them that many more innings and you're asking your bullpen arms to throw on back-to-back days more frequently. Right. That's, that's a health concern to me. So to your point, I don't love that. I think you do need some more rest for these guys. I personally, I think I'm in the minority when I say this, I would rather see 122, excuse me, 120 game schedule going forward and more days off. And I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that. And a lot of people are going to say, no, we need more games. You don't love baseball if you don't want more games. I'm kind of for the player and I'm for these guys getting some rest. I think 162 is just too much. The only issue I had with the playoff, other than them not having enough rest, I understand it again because of everything that's going on around the world. I didn't like that they had the first game of the ALCS on an NFL Sunday and the same day as the NBA Finals. That, to me, is just not set up for success. You already know you're going to get less ratings than both the NBA and the NFL. Probably not smart to put it on the same day as both of those sports, especially a game closer. And I know it's they, they didn't know that going in when they set the schedule. They didn't know that the Lakers were going to clinch that day. But push it back a day. Um, you know, and then you're only competing with Monday night football. Maybe I just don't think it was the wisest decision by major league baseball. Yeah. I literally in a group chat with, with uh, a couple of friends, I literally was like, I totally forgot that there was like a playoff baseball game. Like, uh, like the ALCS, this isn't like a wild card round game. Like this is a big baseball game that, that I just totally, totally skimmed over. Um, if I'm being completely honest with you, I did. I forgot the game was on. Jeff Passon tweeted a tweet that said, I think it was Altuve hit a home run or something that got the first score. And I went, oh, crap. And then I turned on the game. And that's me. And I'm supposed to be covering this game. <laughs> and it, it just happened to be I wasn't on shift yet because I was actually on the night shift. Um, and it was a day game. But I didn't even know the game was going on. And this is my job. So, yeah, feel no, you know, don't feel sorry about it. Because even me, the guy that's supposed to be doing his job with this, this game, um, it crossed my mind as well. I love it. So obviously we've mentioned all the young talent between the Rays and Houston, uh, more young talent and something that we were going from one of my tiffs to one of yours here. You were pretty, pretty vocal about Walker Bueller's pants last night. We've got, we've got guys like Randy and I'm gonna, I know I'm going to butcher it. Aro Zarena or Reina, um, hitting massive moon shots and hitting a plethora of them uh guys pitching their butts off but it was walker bueller's pants that <laughs> that had the uh story last night and you were and you were sounding off and um last night after the game after uh after a big loss um in game one you he was asked about those pants by Michael. I'm not sure the media member's last name, but you were pretty you were pretty upset. Just take me through. I, I get why and I understand why, but like for you as a member of the media, 
like elaborate? So for me, I actually was embarrassed for my colleagues, the, my friends that are actually in the trenches doing real reporting after the game. And, and this year is a little different because it's very limited this year. A lot of, you know, maybe myself or some of my colleagues would actually be at the games right now, but because of coronavirus, a lot of us are unfortunately working from home, but I have a lot of friends out there and a lot of colleagues that are actually in the trenches at those post-game press conference, every single one of them doing real work. And it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to get a good story. And um, it, it's a grind. That was an embarrassment. And I know his last name. I'm not going to mention it on the podcast, but I, I know exactly who it is. I don't call for people's jobs and I'm not calling for his job, but I'm calling for somebody to remove that guy's past because that's just knowing people. That's just journalism 101, really. A guy just pitched his ass off in a game, in an NLCS game, and he pitched really well, too. You think he gives a crap whether his pants were tight? You really think he gives a crap what was trending on Twitter? You think he, Walker Buehler went into the locker room, looked at his phone, and was like, oh, my pants are trending on – no. He couldn't, he couldn't get – me personally, as a consumer and a, um, and a media member, I couldn't give a crap either. I thought it was irresponsible. I thought it was embarrassing. I, I, again, I had said it earlier, I'm embarrassed and I feel bad for the colleagues, my colleagues that are in those trenches doing real work because that's an embarrassment to all of them because unfortunately it makes every media member nationwide and, and universal, universally wide, it makes them look bad because everybody's seeing this question and everybody's seeing Walker Buehler's reaction and people are thinking, gosh, what is wrong with the media nowadays? Why is, why is the media asking these asinine questions is this really a job are we not giving them good education unfortunately there's a lot of really really great reporters out there and he made them every single one of them he made all of them look bad he made every um every consumer every content creator out there he made them all question what the media members are really doing what they should be doing it was an embarrassment to sports media so if Walker Bueller wins that game and he asks that same question, trying to be lighthearted and funny, and he like laughs it off and gives a funny response, is this whole situation any different? Or is that still just the guy being a stooge either way? He wins that game, you ask that question. That's just, yeah, that's a really good question. There's just a difference. There's a time, like Walker Bueller said in his answer, there's a time and place for everything. After a loss, you don't ask a guy about his pants. After a win, ask him whatever the hell he wants because he's in a good mood. That's just knowing people. That's not even really journalism. Um, even if you're a parent, I know um, you're a parent and I think you're sitting in your daughter's room, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Okay, so you get this too. So your kid loses a game. You, after the game are you and, and he loses, are you going to ask him, um, you know, what – what were you, what was your mentality going through that pitch? Probably not. Cause you know, he's feeling down about himself, but if he just won that game and he gave up a nuke shot, but he still pitched well, he still played well. You might ask him like, dude, that guy hit a tank off you. And you know, he's more lighthearted. That's just knowing people. That's really not journalism or reporting. So to answer your question, if he wins that game, I think Walker Bueller not only answers the question, but he answers it a lot more positively. Do you think I know an, uh... This I don't mean for this to relate to Trevor Bauer because I'm still unsure how I feel about Trevor Bauer um, and his media presence. I mean, we've seen it the last two days, booking his plane tickets, clearly taking meetings. As as awesome as it is, um, 
and the insight that I think he's providing to a sport that's so closed with that, like with that brotherhood, that fraternity type mentality, which can be a good and can be a bad thing. Um, how do you like, do you think that that question kind of stems from this like free baseball media world? Cause I mean, like, and I mean, you can take even us, for example, I mean, just anybody can see what just happened on the game, tweet it live and act like a journalist rather than have the check mark, have the forum like yourself and your colleagues do. Like, do you think that Bauer's openness has led to this, like a media question like that? Or do you think it's just like, Hey, this was trending. Let's just see what happens. So it's a good question. I can guarantee you, I don't know Trevor on a personal basis, but I can guarantee you Trevor Bauer would say that was a stupid question and a stupid moment. I, I think Trevor Bauer is correct in most things he says. I respect that guy a ton, what he does with his brand, what he's doing for baseball. I think Trevor Bauer is great. I, I give him all the freedom in the world to do whatever the hell he wants because I think he's doing great stuff for the game of baseball. But he has a lot of feel too. He knows that there's a time and place for everything. And Trevor Bauer brought up a point. I don't know if it was recently, but somebody actually mentioned this to me on Twitter. Trevor Bauer said, what's the point of all these post-game questions? They're all the same answers. Um, you know, asking him, you know, how'd you feel out there on the mound? It just gets redundant. And I totally agree. There's a, there's a point to that argument to where, why are we asking all these players the same questions after every game? There, there is. But at the same time, so if we're comparing that, that idea to the Walker Bueller question yesterday, there's a difference between asking dumb questions and asking redundant questions. There's a, there's a fine line between that. And as a journalist and as a reporter, as a media member, your job is to be better and understand that there might be a bigger story than both of those aspects. You need to be better than asking about his pants. And you also have to be better than just simply asking him, how'd you feel out there on the mound? Because that, to me, as a reporter, I don't think that's a good enough question. I think there is a case to be made that reporters need to look themselves in the mirror and know that we can do a better job, all of us, in getting a not only a better story, but asking better questions. And I think that's, to Trevor Bauer's point, is I think a lot of these media members, like us all, you know, we all get caught in emotion sometimes. May it, we be a grocery store worker? May we be a bank teller? It's a job. And so you might go to work and you're not feeling great that day. And so you just kind of get caught up in the emotions and you just, uh, in, excuse me, in the motions and you just kind of go about your business. You don't really think too hard. And some of these reporters out there, they just kind of go back to their same filter of questions that they have had, that they've really been asking all year long. So I think as media members, all of us need to do a better job, but we also need to have an idea of when to ask a question and when the right time and place is to ask a question. I love it. Danny, there's a reason that we've had you on twice. It's because you're so open, so honest. And I think it's really refreshing for a younger part of the media. I mean, obviously I'm all of, almost 22 years old. Not like I'm some wise old owl. That's for sure. <laughs> Nor am I a member of the media, but as a, as a baseball fan coming up in an era where OPS is more impressive than batting average, where home runs are more like are more impressive than singles um, and that kind of stuff. It's really refreshing to get somebody uh, in the media who is 
um, on that same mindset and is getting away from the old crusty, you know, <laughs> version diaper wearing uh, baseball <laughs> journalists. And in this yeah, case, and both that's journalists wear diapers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even even the one over in the other room right now, <laughs> but yeah, Danny, I, I love I love having you on. I appreciate having you on. Um, hopefully, we'll get to hear from you soon. Hopefully, there will be some like big off season news or something that we'll have to have you come back for, or maybe even before next season, we'll definitely have to have you on for a little little MLB prediction type thing. But thank you so much again. You're you're the best. Hey, thanks, guys. I pre- always always a good time to join you guys. Take care. All right. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you so much to Danny. I couldn't be more uh, truthful at the end there. Um, with the way the way he's obviously been awesome to us, dedicated a, a couple of, like hours of his time now um, to us here at Lecture Hall, um, and the way just the, his open honesty um, with some of the more fun things with the media, or well, not fun necessarily, but with the way that the media works and, and his honesty. I mean, I don't know how about you, how you feel about about Danny Harrison but it's it's like a really refreshing view like I said yeah it's funny he literally just tweeted eight minutes ago coming into the ALCS Jose Altuve had committed three errors in 54 career postseason games and he has now committed three errors in the last 24 hours legitimately like 15 minutes after he was on with us and called Altuve arguably the best second baseman in MLB history which I find (laughs) kind of hilarious that yeah and then and then the immediate re, immediate re, retraction uh of that with uh joe morgan's recent passing which big r.i.p there but i mean no i mean when you look at the uh when you look at the numbers uh jose like danny said is definitely up there and he's still he's still very young but yeah that's a that's a tough look right there for our boy danny but still couldn't love him more check him out he's uh, a writer for C- cbs if you haven't listened to our first that's uh, our first episode with him. That'd be a great one to go check out because um, that kind of came on the heels of, of a big story at that time. Um, and he's, he's with CBS sports there. So um, go check out Danny, but switching gears as we always do. We love football here on this podcast. It's time to talk a little football and I'm going to start here with our week five biggest winner. And I, it's like, it's already week five. This is insane. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do with myself. Like we're just, we're just running the season down, but my biggest winner here in week five is none other than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, how the tables have turned. He's the biggest winner because he somehow keeps his job for another week. He does go 22 of 28, 350 yards, three touchdowns for the bearded man from Harvard Town. I, I think I think that's a good nickname for him. Bearded man from Harvard Town. Okay. Yep. Three carries for 16 yards. On top of that, he looked good. He was distributing the ball. But so I gotta say, like, even if he's not that good, him succeeding means that my take about Tua continues to look good. So it's kind of a bittersweet ordeal. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is my week five biggest winner. 
who Harrison or what or why is your week five biggest winner? You know, I'm going to give you a quick takeaway before I give you my, my biggest winner. You having to eat some words on uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and I am having some words to eat later on in the show. This, this whole show, we might just have to call this lecture hall uh, October 14th, the apology tour. Ooh. But before we get into the apology tour, I have a hill to reestablish myself on. My week five biggest winner are the Josh Allen haters. This game went final Tuesday night football. The Tennessee Titans, that poverty COVID stricken franchise, just demolished Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills 42 to 16. That's not a misprint, folks. 42 to 16. Josh Allen, 26 for 41, 263 yards, two tutters, and two picks. Is mm-hmm. this your king? Is this the guy? An atrocious Tennessee defense picking uh, off twice. Uh, atrocious? Atrocious. It's, it's atrocious. That picking is not off, a good take. Picking you off twice. You're having Derrick Henry is throwing your defense around like ragdolls. Like ragdolls. I get it's Derrick Henry, but no grown man should be able to do that to another grown man. That's like, I'm sorry. Josh Allen, he still stinks. He still stinks. I mean, what can I say? What can I say? That's just, that's a terrible take. It's one game on a Tuesday night. And uh, I just think you're wrong. To be totally honest, the Titans now move to 4 and 0. They are one of the better defenses in the league. And so I just like don't know. I don't know what to to do with you. I don't. I mean, I, I continue to joke about needing a new host, but with every waking day, it becomes more and more serious. <laughs> <laughs> to move on to this week's biggest loser, I had a hard time deciding because there are a lot of biggest losers. If I'm being totally honest, but I think at the end of the day, the biggest loser is going to be Tom Brady. A man who is not known for losing. Man who is not known for losing drops to three and two against a maybe for real Bears team. I don't know. I'm kind of confused uh, on how to feel about the Bears. But 19 points, uh, 25 of 41, 253 yards, a touchdown. Um, doesn't look terrible on paper, but he was only sacked three times. Uh, he did fumble. He, he did not lose that fumble either but um yeah i mean i'm not saying tom brady's washed but i'm very close to saying that tom brady is washed um there comes a time for everybody and i think it's i think that this is uh it's becoming closer and closer to a sad swan song for tb12 and not not that this has anything to do with my loser of the week drew Brees wasn't looking any better for the majority of his Monday night football game against the Chargers last night. My biggest loser, and here comes the apology tour. I have for weeks, oh, this this hurts. I have died on the hill mm. that, Papa, this has no, nothing to do with you, so you can just sit back and relax. I have died on the hill that Philip Rivers – is good enough to lead the Colts 
to the promised land. Mm. And yeah. one, of, one of our loyal listeners, I'll even give her and her podcast a shout out, Jenna Alike, Newhouse uh, journalism student at Syracuse, Big J status, host of the Go For Two podcast with Brad Klein. Find it on Spotify. There's your free ad, Jenna. I've been dying on this hill. She's been coming at me for weeks for this take. She's been coming at me aggressively, and I have been giving her every stat in the book as to why Philip Rivers is the guy. And as efficient as he can be at times, I don't think he's thrown for more than like 260 yards, and that was against the Jaguars week one. He's usually right around the 175 mark, and he just kind of moves the ball efficiently without having any real pop. The Colts' red zone offense has been disgustingly horrible. Disgustingly horrible. And I don't know if you can attribute that to having to play as good as he is, a rookie running back in Jonathan Taylor in the red zone because you can't rush Naeem Hines up the middle and Marlon Mack being hurt. The lack of receivers with Pittman being injured, Paris Campbell being injured, T.Y. Hilton being a shell of his former self, and the only big threat you have being Mo Cox. Who? If used to play college if basketball. If you're not a Colts fan, you don't know who Mo Alley Cox is unless you're in a 20-man fantasy league and you need that tight end depth. <laughs> I'm not ready to jump off the Captain Phillip train yet. I'm not ready to abandon Captain Phillip's ship movie reference for you. Yeah, nice. But I am the captain now. But Jacoby Brissett is looking Captain Phillip in the eyes and saying, I am the captain now. <laughs> because if this continues for – I give it one more week. Wow. I mean, it's hard to bench the guy if – what what would they be, four and two after a win next week? They'd That's have assuming a, they beat a, Cincinnati. Yeah, they have Cincinnati and Detroit the next two weeks, two hard teams to lose to. But whether they win or – if they lose one or two of those games – for sure a move has to be made. But if they're sitting at five and two, do you make a win now move and you trade for Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford, a guy who can really sling it, a guy who can really spin the football? That's another podcast joke. Very, very um, specific. No one else is going to get that. But I'm kind of losing faith in my guy, Phillip Rivers. I have the Jacoby Brissett jersey in my closet. She's ready. She's ready. There's a reason I never bought a Philip Rivers jersey because I was not sure if I was ready to die on this hill. But since Jenna came at me, I had to, I had to die on the hill. I was taking arrows protecting myself. So yeah, Jenna, there it is. Philip Rivers. I don't know if he's actually as good as I think he is. That's it. Philip Rivers this year is completing per his passes at a seventy point eight percent clip. He has thrown for. 1,227 yards. He has thrown for four touchdowns. However, he has thrown for five interceptions, and he's thrown at least two interceptions in two games, the opener and last week against Cleveland. And you could arguably say last week's he's pick six is what cost them that game because if he doesn't throw a pick six, then it's momentum. Momentum's huge. It's all about momentum. You make a good point. Marlon Mack missing is, is – um, not ideal whatsoever um, for for um, Indianapolis. Um, something to consider. The 
rookie running back Jonathan Taylor out of my Wisconsin University of Madison, Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, the man who is nine days younger than myself uh, has seen interesting. They've used him interestingly and kind of somewhat sparingly. Nine carries for 22 yards, six catches for 67 yards in his opener against Jacksonville. Uh, we see Mac go down. He gets 26 carries against Minnesota, goes for 100 yards, and the two catches for nine yards. Since then, 13 for 59, 17 for 68, and 12 for 57. Uh, touchdowns scattered throughout that week and catches throughout that week as well. He's caught 10 of the 11 balls that he's been thrown. Um, has yet to find pay dirt in that regard. Um, you, you, going between him and Hines, I think that there just needs to be a time where you just need to let him go. I mean, let somebody go at it. 26 carries for a hundred yards. If you give, if you give him 20 carries, he's going to get to that, that hundred yard mark most likely. Um, but I think they need, I think they need to get that run game going. Um, and I think, I think these next two weeks are good weeks for that to possibly happen. Cincinnati is a little bit better against the run. Um, but certainly, certainly a tough stretch coming up here. Um, for Indianapolis. My biggest takeaway from week five, moving on now, my biggest takeaway um, is the importance of a backup quarterback. Clearly we would be very ill, ill-willed, or I mean, not necessarily ill-willed, but um, seem very, uh, very dumb if we did not uh, talk about Dak's injury. Um, I got to say, as much as you as much as you can hate the cowboys and as much as i do um it is tough i don't want to compare him to derek jeter because the careers aren't what they are but you he's like derek jeter where he's on a team you hate you really don't want to like the guy but you got to just fucking respect him man cuz he's just he just does it i mean derek jeter people will argue his stats but he there's a reason he was the captain Dak, obviously a big part of of Dallas's success. I mean, a fourth round pick who has played like a first round pick. Um, obviously, very gruesome injury. You hate you hate to see, um, especially in a, in a in a season where we've seen plenty of guys already go down um, and are on the IR now that are extremely talented. You hate to see Dak, um, although he hadn't played well against New York to that point was on pace. I think we mentioned last week for like 6,700 yards or some shit like that. Yeah. And you say Dak wasn't playing well against the giants. I mean, Dak is kind of like Matthew Stafford in regard to just let him get to the fourth quarter. And then he really starts to heat up. Yeah, It stinks to see him go down. He's in a contract year. He's playing for that big money that he is trying to convince Jerry Jones that he deserves. And I don't think he's going to get it in Dallas for certain now. But that also depends on how Andy Dalton yes, even, does in um, the fill-in job. And am I crazy to think the Cowboys could be just as good with Andy D- Dalton at the at the helm? Am I crazy to think that, or is this just I me think you're a little bit another aggressively mediocre quarterback? I think it's I Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. I really don't care who says otherwise. Obviously, we've 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 seen the Bengals be really, really bad. And I don't think that that is entirely his fault. I mean, they were, they were clearly very good. The Bengals teams that he played for. I mean, he, he went 
coming so drafted so 2011 age 24 season is this first season nine and seven ten and six eleven and five ten five and one ten and three and then six nine and one seven and nine five and six two and eleven you don't just get like you don't just lose like four three and a half technically games and like play poorly his num his career numbers um other than 2019 are impressive seasons or at least good enough seasons that have him on like the same plane as like a Mitchell Trubisky. They're definitely not quite as good. Dak offers you a lot more, but there's, yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton is, <laughs> there's a reason he won. He, well, I can't say he won a lot. I mean, he won a lot of games, never won a playoff game, but uh, Andy Dalton is definitely not a half bad backup. And that's, that's to my original point is having a great backup. Um, is is what can save a season when you have something as terrible as Dak's injury go down. I mean, just disgustingly gruesome injury. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what Andy Dalton does in his fill-in spot in Dallas. All right. Now Harrison's apology <laughs> tour part two, and what are the odds that I'm apologizing to the same person? It's like, is there only one person that I routinely talk crap to who's not Hoppa? The Las Vegas Raiders, they go into Kansas City hmm. and they beat them. And if you can remember from a few weeks back, I said that the Las Vegas Raiders were not legit. That Derek Carr, although I think he's good, is not their quarterback of the future. And that this team is going to be good in a couple of years and it's not going to be with Derek Carr at the helm. That's a bad take. Yeah, it might have been. Kind of is a really bad take. In hindsight, and it just so happens that uh, the same person I was apologizing to before is also a Raiders fan. So what's the odds? I think my biggest Jedi's? takeaway. Yeah. You know, yeah, weird, right? A girl from Florida that goes to school in New York is a Raiders fan. But we're not here to talk about Jenna. We're here to talk about the Derek Carr. <laughs> Shout out Jenna, though. She is a great. She is one of our, like, only listeners. So <laughs> Very loyal listener, although I think she hates me. Um, Derek Carr, I think. Going. Derek Carr is borderline, borderline the quarterback that he was when he was nearly an MVP. Derek Carr sitting at three and two for his Las Vegas Raiders currently owns the highest completion percentage in the NFL of quarterbacks at 73%. He's thrown for 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. Continue. Derek Carr, he is, I, he's almost worth every penny that the Raiders are paying him. I want to see what the rest, of, what he does the rest of the season before I say he was worth that very lucrative contract. But he's out to prove me wrong, which I guess I'm okay with because I do like Derek Carr. I just, I, he just struck me as a guy that they're going to move away from to get someone younger as they try to become a contender. Derek Carr, I mean, you're you're good. What what can I say? This Raiders team is going to be filthy if they can. If the Raiders had a guy like Khalil Mack on defense. Oh God! Hit him where it hurts. I think they would be a pretty good team. It's they would like, definitely be a good team. It's like you don't guys like Khalil Mack don't grow on trees. So when you have guys like that, you have to hold on to them for a long time, and you definitely don't get rid of them for a couple first round picks. So like, if the Raiders could find themselves in a situation where they could get a guy like Khalil Mack in the middle of their defense, they could be pretty good. But until then, I think they just have to rely on Derek Carr just slinging the ball and winning shootouts like he did in Kansas City, which 
I've been down that road. That's a very dangerous game to play, just having to rely on fourth-quarter comebacks and shootouts. Shout out the early Andrew Luck years. But I think this Raiders team could be pretty good, and Derek Carr is their quarterback in the future. That is my biggest takeaway. Interesting. Uh, of So seasons where quarterback has completed 70% of his passes with over 500 pass attempts, which is – pretty much the baseline of if a quarterback throws a lot or not. Drew Brees has had three of said seasons. The there otherwise there are three three other combined seasons. So of all all of NFL history, there've only been six seasons played where this has happened. Um individually you have Sam Bradford had one had it happen one time that 2016 Minnesota season. Derek Carr had it happen in 2019 and Kirk Cousins 2018 are the three others than Drew Brees' um, three seasons. If Derek Carr stayed on this current pace, had over uh, 500 attempts and obviously 70% completion like he currently sits, he would then move into second and have the seventh season uh, in NFL history in such a way. So be pretty impressive to see. I think, I mean, it's with the expanded playoff um, and – and the injuries that have happened to Denver uh, that we have obviously noted um, with hopefully Drew Locke coming back pretty quick here. Um, you make a, you make a very good point about that trade. I will say, um, let's see, that was a, that happened in 2018. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. That off season. Cause 2018 was Khalil Mack's first year in Chicago. Yeah. So, I would have to double check for sure, but in 2019 and 2020, the Raiders have had five first round picks. Uh, Clellan Farrell, Josh Jacobs, obviously a top running back. Jonathan Abram, fantastic safety. You have Damon Arnett, uh, and then obviously Henry Ruggs, all those five players drafted in the, um, in the first round. You have Ruggs um, and Jacobs, insane threats um you also have hunter renfro was drafted last year in 2019 so some weapons surrounding my boy Derek carr and i'm hey i'm a i'm all on board with Derek carr i don't have any single problem with rooting for Derek carr so i will continue to do so yeah Derek Derek carr is better than josh allen i think that's what we've come to conclusion of here <laughs> i think it's close <laughs> As we near the end, comment once this is posted. Comment you can go at big at sorry at beastie hops on Twitter at twitch underscore 35 or student union sports on Twitter. You can give them a follow, go there on Twitter and Instagram, give so you can get all the student union sports articles and updates. Uh, we have a pretty sweet, uh, pretty sweet contest going on right now where you can get in with us to enter a $25 DraftKings gift card. So if you're into daily fantasy and just right, I, I think they allow regular betting if you're in a state that allows it as well, re- regular, like on the spreads and that kind of stuff, you can go get that at, at student sports on Twitter. And like I said, hit us up on Instagram as well. Yeah. And as we near the end of the show, it wouldn't be the end of a lecture hall show without a little golf talk. And we have some big, some big golf headlines in the news right now one or two of them circling around COVID-19. The other one is what they always do, coming back to my guy, Bryson DeChambeau, the boss man. We'll start with the COVID news with two 
of the more polarizing figures in the game of golf, Dustin Johnson, arguably and the most polarizing Parker's figure. cousin. What? Dustin Johnson and Jabari Parker's cousin have COVID-19. Tony Fino is Jabari Parker's cousin? Yeah, they. Yeah, you didn't know that. Okay, well, Dustin Johnson and Jabari Parker's cousin Tony Fino have tested positive <laughs> for COVID nineteen, which really stinks. Two of the two of the are are we allowed to call them young stars of the game anymore? Some wily yes. vets, electric guys to watch. They hit the ball a mile. They're just they're good. They're great guys. They're good golfers, and you hate to see something like that. Hopefully. They're well. Hopefully their families are well. Hopefully they're not symptomatic and they can get back on tour in a couple weeks. Especially with the Masters coming up. Both of them definitely going to be once. I can't wait for that betting segment. Can't wait to lose my ass to it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely two guys that DJ probably at least in the top three favorited. Probably, arguably could be the favorite to win the masters and Fina's um, a top 10 lock at Augusta, arguably a top five lock. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but yeah, like you said, we hope to see them back on tour pretty quick here. Yep, we wish those like, two guys and their families the best. Um, and then Bryson, he just can't stay out of the news and it's not even him doing anything. It's other people just can't keep him out of their mouths. And that being Matthew Fitzpatrick, another bright young star on the PGA tour. I don't even know if I can call him a young star. He's like probably like 27, but in terms of stars on the PGA tour, he's old. Um, he's probably about Hoppa's height, like five foot six. And he probably five, weighs like five, 145 pounds. He's a small dude. He has the ball, almost that weight. He has the ball 295 yards. And he's complaining about Bryson hitting the ball 80 yards farther than him saying that it's taken the skill out of the game and he had his lengthened quote was that him and Bryson hit the same percentage of fairways at the U.S. Open while Bryson went on a one by six shots and Fitzpatrick missed the cut by one shot solely because Bryson can hit wedges into every green and doesn't have to hit those fairways opposed to Fitzpatrick who can who if he misses the fairway he's hitting I don't know six iron five iron seven iron into these greens opposed to a 60 degree wedge which just it comes off with a fitzy sounding extremely whiny um but at the same time like i can understand why you'd be mad like i'm a guy who has never hit the golf ball very far at all and i'm not the biggest dude i'm like the average average height and weight at best at best and i hit the golf ball like a like a jv high school girl so I can definitely understand being <laughs> upset with other people being able to hit the ball farther than you and having an advantage of having getting to hit eight irons when you're hitting four iron. But at the same time, it's like if you're not going to do anything to lengthen yourself when like, you clearly have the resources, like you can go to the gym, you can put on 40 pounds if you wanted to. You'd probably look horrendous because you're short. You'd just be the short, chubby guy. Um, but, I mean, if you're not going to take – take the time to do those things, then it's almost more skillful. You have to become more skillful and you have to learn how to hit your clubs more ac- more accurately and better and more consistently. Like if you're not going to combat Bryson, then you have to better your own game and like complaining about it, it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, I think I didn't look at the numbers, but I was very interested to see like what the putting stats looked like and some of the approach 
like shots gained on approach shots and that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's that kind of gets screwed for Bryson because some of his drives are considered approach shots. So, um, but yeah, I was gonna, I I didn't get a chance to dive deep into that kind of stuff for what it looked like at the open, but grow up, man. It's it's just what it is. Um, unfortunately, like for see, like the game of golf is an individual sport. So if I understand that, like not everybody has the body type, the physiology, the kinesiology to go put on 40 pounds in a couple months of muscle, but like there are resources out there. There's technology out there for you to get your swing, um, going faster, hitting the ball harder. We saw, we saw Rory this week, hit the ball 191 miles an hour. It was either like his ball speed or his club speed was something ridiculous. I don't even remember um, what his, what his track man stats were, but like Bryson is now setting the standard grow up. You're a professional. This isn't like, this isn't, you're not, you're not playing fifth grade organized school basketball where there's a kid who's six foot and everybody else is five, three. And it's just unfair because he just sits in the post. Like you're a professional golfer. You hit the ball better than 99.9999999% of the entire world. You're like in the top 50 rankings, like, come on, grow a pair, play, just fucking play golf, man. I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's like you hit the ball and you hit it again and then you keep hitting it till it's in the hole and you want to do it less times than the other guy. And it's like, there's always going to be a guy that hits it farther than you. There's always going to be a guy that hits it shorter than you. You just kind of play the game, and whoever's more talented at the end of the day is going to win. It's usually never me, and it's usually never Matthew Fitzpatrick. So, I don't know. You just have to work your butt off, and you have to keep getting better. And I, I guess that's it. If my coach hears this, he's going to be like, are you listening to yourself? Are you going to take your own advice here and stop complaining about distance? So, coach, if you're listening, sup. Um, but that about wraps up. <laughs> this week's episode of lecture hall we had Danny yeah, Vidion, be a nice talked a lot of baseball the Tampa Bay Rays are also up like six to one five to one on the Astros right now um and it, we had our little apology tour we had three apologies today two of them were the same person shout out Jenna follow her on Twitter maybe we have a lecture hall go for two collab sometime in the near future I don't know wouldn't it be the first time we collabed with another podcast wow I'm out no. of breath I talk a lot hop of the bell is ringing Class is dismissed. Kisses!